0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. It's Hardline. News Radio 930 WBEM Victory Sunday. I know, I know why talk politics today. Believe me. It's because it's Sunday and it's on the schedule and Brenda and I are supposed to talk politics today. That's pretty much why. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what we're thinking, Joe. Oh, let me tell you. I uh, My thoughts are not only on the game last night, obviously, but I cannot wait till 3 o'clock. I've never anticipated a game that didn't include the Buffalo Bills, probably since Cincinnati-Baltimore uh, a few years ago on New Year's Eve. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I'm really rooting for Cleveland too because I'd much rather face uh, Baker Mayfield than Patrick Mahomes.
0: And and just have Buffalo I mean, those shots on NBC, I I oh. mean, you just you're reminded since We haven't been out lately. Uh, It reminds you of how beautiful downtown Buffalo is and uh, uh, would be great to see the ASC Championship right here in Buffalo next Sunday night. Uh, But Cleveland also 10-point underdogs. Just remember that.
3: I got a, a text from my friend in L.A. last night saying how great the city looks and how cool it was to see Niagara Falls in red, white, and blue. It just, you know, it's almost like a little civic postcard for Buffalo. And in a way, Joe, that ties into politics because we talk uh, to the people who represent our area. And we're going to do that right now with uh, the representative from Assembly District 142, Pat Burke. Good morning, Pat. Welcome.
4: Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Joe. Go Bills.
3: Go Bills.
0: That's right. Great. Uh, Pat, first, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter and I know you've been all about this team. What did you like about the game last night and what do you think about next week?
4: Um, I mean, I like that we won. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Number one, uh, you know, I like Josh Allen uh, had a rough game. I, you know, I'm, I'm in Orchard Park. I represent Orchard Park, and uh, you know, the wind was just crazy. So, you know, I didn't love the first half play calling. I know we're we're a passing team, but to like literally not run the ball was a bit much. Uh, you know, your play action isn't effective when you. Absolutely, when they know absolutely you're not gonna you're not gonna run the ball, and when the wind is howling around like that, that was rough. But uh, when Josh Josh Allen didn't have a good game, and other people stepped up, and that's that's the the signs of a really good football team. So uh, I'm pumped. You know, it's been 25 years. I was uh, 10 years old uh, the last time we were in the playoffs. So um, I actually remember. I was walking out of Tops with my my father at the time, and uh, my whole childhood the Bills had gone to the Super Bowl, so it was the drive for five. And I was I just looked at him like, wouldn't it be weird if the Bills didn't go to the Super Bowl this year? And he just laughed and said, "Oh man, you got a lot to learn, kid." And (laughs) and five years later, here you know, here we are.
0: Yeah, I was talking. I was five years old last time the Bills were in an AFC Championship game, so I just missed remembering those Super Bowls so I'm uh believe me this is um this is new to me and I'm quite excited Pat but let's get into politics I know I know it's we have to do it we have to do it and, and you wrote an op-ed for the West Seneca Bee where you are talking about taking the emergency powers granted to Governor Cuomo back uh what urged you to write this uh, op-ed you know, I just felt
4: it was time when when we did when we voted on that and it had bipartisan support to grant emergency powers because of, you know, the the once in a century crisis we had faced, you know, the greatest crisis probably most of us will face in our entire lives. Um, and so and, and what you don't want in that type of crisis is 150 assembly members debating and making decisions on each of these issues. Like it's just not it's not it wasn't realistic. So um it was the appropriate thing to do, but I was always uncomfortable with it because, you know, the governor in New York, you know, before Cuomo, you know, all, going all the way when they did constitutional changes, centralizing a lot of power back in back when Al Smith was governor. Um, and so uh, the idea of giving him more power made me uncomfortable. And I promised myself at the time when I voted for it, like the second uh, we're not outside of this emergency at all, not even close. Like we're more people are getting sick, more people are dying now than even back in in March and April of last year, but we're not, we're not as off guard as we were. We're not as blindsided as we were. So we're more prepared to handle it. You know, Joe Biden's coming in. I have more confidence in his ability to, you know, coordinate efforts with the CDC. And so I felt this is the time now, um, you know, we shouldn't, the governor shouldn't have this level of emergency power a moment longer than it's absolutely necessary. And I think we're past that. So, um, they do expire in April regardless, but uh, I think now is the time to, to plan this out and structure it out so that, uh, you know, we take back whatever power we have. And frankly, you know, we should be looking at, you know, constitutional changes so the legislature has a more balanced level of power uh, with the governor. Uh, I just don't think it's uh, – it's not even a, an attack on Cuomo necessarily, It's just, it's just how New York State's uh, government is structured. I, I don't think it's – I don't think it's effective.
0: Pat, do you think you have uh, support in, with other members in your party that will vote pretty much against the governor?
4: I mean, it, it would be it would be the Assembly and the Senate would have you'd have to have the vote. So I haven't I haven't like I haven't done a tally. I mean, it, certainly the sentiment is there. Um, it's more of the it's it's the devil's in the details. So if you pulled that power right away, would it mean every executive order would it would be pulled or would it be a month later? Um those are things we're going to have to figure out now, anyway. Because once April comes, that will happen. So um, we're going to have to we're going to have to make that plan. Uh, I think there's energy there. There certainly will, but I think it's more of just the the details and, and and how it functions. It's not really. I don't think it's the politics. I think it's just how will this work?
3: Pat, you uh, in your editorial, you praised the governor for how he handled the uh, the issue of the pandemic initially. Uh, but then you go on to explain your case about why this power has become too much, and it's time to make a change. Uh, have you heard anything from the governor's office uh, in response to your letter to the editor?
4: Um, you know, we have regular calls. Uh, so the the Western delegation has a you know Democrats and Republicans have a have a uh, you know weekly, sometimes even biweekly call with the the governor's staff to coordinate efforts. Um, So we didn't have any discussions there Um, on the back end. You know, I would say I have, um, you know, relationships with staffers in the governor's office. I haven't heard from the governor directly on it, though, no.
3: Uh, Do you have any concern about uh, a lack of balance in the assembly and legislature because of uh, the Democrats, you know, controlling that? And also, I think you could make the analogy. Uh, in national politics as well, with uh, the House and Senate now Democrat. Do you feel like we need more checks and balances or see any kind of irony here?
4: Um, No. So, I mean, so how how our government is structured, I I actually kind of like the idea of, of, like, accountability. So you have a party in power. Oftentimes when it becomes very ambiguous, like everyone loves the idea of a checks and balance, but it becomes largely ambiguous. It would be nice if, like, there's a party in power. There's a head of government. They do what they, they believe is right, and they follow their platform. And if it fails, then the people say, like, all right, we need to kick those people out of power and give give the other groups their, their their turn. Uh, right now it becomes this sort of, like, this game all the time, like oh, pointing fingers. Oh, it's it's the Senate's fault. No, it's the, the House's fault. It's the Assembly's fault. You know, it just – it's it can be a shell game. It's kind of nice where, like, no, let them get – what they're going to get done. And they, they were elected by the people. They, the, the decision was made and let's see where this goes. Um, you went, you know, even going back to state government, you know, when the Republicans held the Senate for so long, a lot of important legislation was jammed up, like, you know, the child victims act, something I had been uh, fighting for for a long time. So, uh, you know, conversion therapy, another uh, thing I did on, on the local level, uh, that was held up at the state level. So, um, I think it's I think it's time for action, and then if those things fail, then there's no then, then it's clear who's to blame.
3: Pat, um, another thing I wanted to bring up to you. Uh, on January 10th, you and several colleagues called for Representative Chris Jacobs, of course, he represents NY twenty seven to resign from Congress because of his vote uh, saying that the the election certification wasn't valid. Uh, what prompted you and your colleagues to do so, and uh, where does it stand right now?
4: So I had I had done I had been I was frankly shocked that he was taking that position, which I, I saw as a, uh, a you know politically motivated. Um, you know, Chris Jacobs was someone who uh, who had made a career of being a moderate. You know, cited as being a moderate, his whole his whole you know political tenure. Uh, and then takes this hard right turn. Just happens to be the time when he wants to be a congressman in the most Republican district uh, in the state of New York. Uh, so, I, you know, I view these as political decisions in a time when, you know, this is a this is a you know good of the country decision. I, you know, it's not a time to pick party over politics or you know or party over country. It never is, but particularly now. Um, so that was the motivation there. I mean, first, when he announced it, I was very critical then. I think it's a galling and shocking thing to do. Uh, and I'm not alone. If you saw the Buffalo news editorial, which the Buffalo news, you know, has never been, I know, uh, you know, maybe some of your listeners might consider it like some liberal rag, but that's not been the history of the Buffalo news. You know, the, the Buffalo news has, has historically been the more conservative paper in Buffalo. Um, and, and they're, they're uh editorial Chris Jacobs is literally a picture of Chris Jacobs with the words the coward over his head and it describes uh you know the decision he made and the vote he made um and it you know describes him I think it was the most you know damning uh editorial of an elected official that I've maybe ever seen in my life
0: we could debate that last comment but uh Pat you see this divide in washington between the left and the right i mean and it seems like it gets deeper and deeper is that same hostile divide present in albany um largely it's it's, it's largely cordial um
4: it, that's been my experience anyway you know you might go out and and you know i've 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 gone out like after after session and just hung out with a few republican colleagues and just you know had a had a few beers and just 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 to be people just to be you know I would like to just putting that stuff aside and being people um you know obviously we're 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 in a divided country right now and it's concerning um but but that's not been the experience I've I've had in Albany
0: what do you think it will take to um start mending this divide it seems like that's the question i've been asking all the elected officials lately you know uh, we've we've got a new administration coming in democrats are going to be in power in Washington, what is the what is the move um, that we can have? Uh, obviously, we have a difference of opinion. Obviously, we can debate over policy issues. Uh, but this divide seems like it's more than policy. What's it going to take to start coming together?
4: Oh boy, I, I mean, I don't know if I have all the answers for that. I think I think there there are there are multiple layered problems. Um, part of it is how we communicate, and you know, algorithms on social media, which which push us in our boxes even more. So we're being fed certain information. So that the structure of how social media does things is a major problem. That like Facebook is a big source of how people get their news. It's not a good way to get your news. Um, you, even even you know Fox News and you know CNN, if you you know, or MSNBC, if you're watching one of those. Uh, I try and make an effort to you know I don't like Fox News, but uh, I try and make an effort to to watch it uh just to at least get that perspective so I understand where people are coming from um but frank and also frankly for for some of the actions of, of the of the trump administration, accountability has to be part of it you know I, you know I only hear end the divisiveness from uh you know republicans after after they've gone so far and 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 they're in a bad political position but you know, we need accountability. You can't do the things and say the things Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and others have been doing and citing, you know, a riot against the Capitol building while legislative session is in, is being called to to count the, the votes for president and certify the election and say like, oh, now it's just time to end, the, end of the divisiveness. Well, no, because that won't do it. You're just that to people like me, that sounds like, Oh, you mean you don't want accountability for these, these horrible actions? Like that's what it sounds like to a lot of folks. So uh, I think accountability, and then we do, we all, of course, have to remember that we have, you know, like Abraham Lincoln said, you know, our, our, we have to, uh, you know, look at our to our better angels, and, and um,
0: you know, we we are friends, and we do have many many common interests. So, Pat, what do you mean by accountability? What would what would be accountability mean to you? I mean, you know,
4: Rudy Giuliani was telling people to to pretty much was inciting people into violence. So was the president of the United States. I mean, the president was obviously impeached. He should be convicted. He shouldn't be able to run for president again. Um, you know, other elected officials who participated in a note a, lot, a thing they knew was a lie. Uh, you know, we should they should be uh, obviously. I could, I think Chris Jacobs should resign from Congress. Um, if not, I think he should he and, and others who chose to carry on this lie which led to this attack against uh, our democracy uh, they you know they should consider resigning or being expelled from Congress um, anyone uh, in that Trump organization who's committed a million different crimes over the last four years um, you know Donald Trump jr. is always a good example this is a guy who you know was participating in governmental functions had special access and was running the Trump Uh, you know, the Trump empire. Um, There are so many problems with this administration. So it's not like it's not like uh, Democrats are just going after Donald Trump because they don't like him. This isn't this isn't the same as Republicans going after Barack Obama because he wore a tan suit. These are serious things that have happened. We all know it. And now is not the time to be political. It's the time to hold these people accountable for their their actions and
0: crimes against the United States and its people. Pat, I'm glad you brought yeah. up Donald, Jr., uh, Donald Trump Jr. And Brenda, I'm sorry, this is the last uh, one, I promise.
3: You're going in the same direction I'm going, Joe. I know where you're headed with this, about kicking his tail.
0: Yeah, Pat, you tweeted something out a few months ago, and we had a back and forth on Twitter, about if Donald Trump Jr. grew up in your neighborhood. Now, do you think that helps the tensions here in the United States in 2021? Donald
4: Trump Jr. is an awful person who has said, horrible things constantly it is not again it is not the people people like that who are who are hurting this country the idea that we should, you know i think it's funny because republicans and you know and conservative media you know they they talk about democrats as these wimpy safe space you know you know manicured hand you know wimps and then the second it's like hey I'm a Democrat. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, if, and I know what it's like. And when you acted out of turn, there were consequences for that. A smug, rich punk like Donald Trump Jr., who's done nothing but hurt people the last four years. And by the way, who, you know, with evidence written from his own emails, was reaching out and communicating with Russian, intel, with Russian intelligence to try and get dirt for an election. A guy like that were like, oh, we can't say anything bad about him. I simply said, if a smug, rich jerk like Donald Trump Jr. grew up in my neighborhood, he would have been a better person because he would have had behavioral cor- corrections.
0: But Do you think that's a tweet with, with, the, with what's going on with, with the tensions on both sides, this political divide, to throw that? that that's, but that's what I'm talking about. You, you're,
4: were you worried about the political divide when— when they were literally inciting an Yes. Election.
0: Yes. I, I, was, I was not only against what happened two weeks ago. I've been very vocal against the president's tweets, his entire administration. And I'll lead by example and not tweet the same way.
4: No, 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 no. no. His tw- See, again, that's the other thing. That's the other easy cop-out. Is like, we just don't like his tweets. It's his actions. It's not just he happens to be a careless person on Twitter who runs his mouth. It's his dangerous actions. He has been pitting people against each other. There are
0: people with Confederate flags in the Capitol building. Yeah, and that's wrong. That's disgusting. I'm just as disgusted as you are. Right, and that, But so me me calling those people out, you can't say like, "Hey, you got to watch. You got you can't be so divisive."
4: Like, no, I'm calling the people out who are inciting these things and doing these things against our country. Like that. This isn't the time for like the, well, we got to be nice.
3: But, but Pat, you must see the irony in saying you'd want to kick his ass when, when you're trying to say we need to calm down and stop inciting people. I mean, I understand why you said it, but don't you think it's a little misplaced at this point?
4: Brenda, you can't say I said something that I didn't say. I didn't say I'm going to go beat up Donald Trump Jr. or I want to. I said if he would have grown up in a neighborhood like mine, he would have gotten his ass kicked
3: which is true that
4: okay. everyone in my neighborhood got their ass kicked because that's how things were in the people there. You had a behavioral correction. This is someone who grew up on fifth Avenue to a rich megalomaniac parent and never felt that anything. He, he never had consequences for anything in his life. That's what I'm saying. Like someone who carries himself the way he carried himself and how awful he has been to so many people. He would not have been that way. It's simply saying what we all know, like sometimes a good ass kicking can help people because it makes them realize that being awful doesn't work very well. But he never faced that. He never faced the regular things that most of the people, probably most of your listeners face. He would have been much better off growing up in a blue collar working class neighborhood where there are consequences for your actions. That's what I was saying.
3: Okay, uh, so noted. Now, let, let's go back to what's happening right now with the vaccines. Um, we're running out of vaccines, and a lot of people who are scheduled to get them are now being told that they have to wait. What, uh, if anything, can you do to get information from the Governor's office or from representatives in Congress to help people in Western New York who sorely need and want those vaccines?
4: Yeah, I think the, the rollout has been you know more than problematic. It's been you know deeply disappointing. Um, you, I think I think from day one of the Biden administration, they should take they should take this over. Uh, he's, he seems to be committed to doing that and pushing this vaccine even more. Uh, in in New York State, there's no there's no secret. They just have not done a very good job. Um, I think we need if you know we, we talk about public private partnerships all the time. This would seem to be a time where this is so urgent. This would be the time where you would hire a logistics firm to make sure this is done absolutely right, where you have professionals doing it, um, and, and tie that to the federal government. That's um, right now. I'm doing everything I can. I'm on calls all the time. Uh, deeply disappointed and angry about it. And we'll just keep we'll just keep working on the executive branch, the state level, and on the federal level. Uh, the federal level needs to release as much vaccine as possible. The state has to do a better job coordinating it.
3: And Pat, as far as restaurants go, we talked to a a restaurant owner, John Rooney, a co-owner of the Yelling Goat, and there's been so many folks who have been hurt. Many businesses, as you know, are hanging by a thread if they have not closed for good. Uh, What kind of relief can we bring to these people in Western New York? And and in my opinion, Pat, small businesses are the lifeblood of this community, and they need help. And is there anything at all that you can do in uh, the assembly uh, is there anything you can do to appeal to the governor to help these folks?
4: Yeah. I mean, again, that's another one. The, the, whole, the whole sort of structure of this, just it, it, it's, an, it's an unfortunate. So you have you know the state that sets the rules, but we don't have the resources. Like if you're going to set rules that shut down people's businesses, then really on the back end, you should, you should cover them for, the, for your new regulations. Um, but we, we don't have the resources to do that. So you need the federal government to come in and help. Um, certainly we need more to be done. Uh, the last the last package not helping state and lo- local governments is going to be a huge problem. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the zoning structure that was that fortunately has ended uh, really proved to be, you know, against basic fairness. Um, and it just didn't work. It, it may that may have worked in New York City where people, not everybody has a car and you can't just you know, drive 10 minutes down the road to go to a different restaurant. It wasn't functional here. It seemed to be punitive towards uh, restaurants. You know, The restaurant industry is already a very difficult you know, small business to thrive in. A lot of restaurants fail, and this just made it even more difficult. But it's, not a, it's just not an exclusive New York thing. If you just look across the best practices in the world when it comes to shutting down restaurants, even a place like Ireland, um, you know, they've shut down pubs and restaurants. A lot of places have. It's, just, it's not uncommon practice. It's not an exclusive New York thing. But our structure between how our state and federal government work together makes it that much more difficult.
0: Pat, we heard the uh, governor mention at his state of the state, you know, uh, proposing legalization of recreational marijuana and mobile sports gambling, which I am all for. Uh, what's the realistic timetable for that?
4: Uh, I support both. Um, I'm going to get I, I think they'll be done uh Pretty, I think in the next month or so, depending on we have to get through uh, you know, election stuff because we have to figure out petitioning and, and everything else and how we're going to do that, considering we're still in a pandemic. So um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We're just we're working every day. We're working over the weekends, trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, timeline, I'm going to say in the next month and if it's not in the next month, uh, potentially in the, just attached like within the budget.
0: Awesome. I'd like to parlay some baseball this year. And I I do have just one more. We had Jeremy Zellner on at 10 o'clock talking about ballot access. You know, a lot of uh, third-party members got a letter in the mail saying that their party, this time around, won't have ballot access. Is that something you support, or do you support more parties being on the ballot?
4: So New York York State actually has, like, the most, uh, you know, from good government groups, has the most confusing ballot in the country, so, you, so a lot of other places, it's just a box with your name on it, and the parties that support you are under your name. But in New York, you can have your name on a ballot for, for one office like four or five different times depending on which ballot lines you get. So we have a really just bad system that doesn't work very well as it is. But I'm certainly, more, I'm certainly interested in more ballot access for people or, you know, for parties, as long as it's not done as – like this, buying and selling and trading of ballot lines because that's just that's just the power game. That's not that's not actually you know a value you're pushing people's values in different parties and creating access. Uh, that's just playing the game. So I'm all about fixing it, um, but y- you know it's it's tough because in the end you have these different parties who are arm wrestling for power and ballot line access and and it, it, it I think it's it sounds like it's just a um, You know, maybe this effort to to push other parties off the ballot. Um, But you're also talking about some parties who have a couple thousand you know, people who are registered to them. I don't know how many how many parties you want on that ballot line. You'd have sheets and sheets of ballots. So it's just the whole thing needs to get redone and fixed. It just it's not not good the way it is. I'll say that.
0: All right, Pat. Hey, thank you for always being open to coming on. Thank you for answering the questions, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon down the road. Go Bills. Go Bills. We can all agree on that. <laughs> 100%. Thank you, Pat. The one
3: unifying thing. Thank you, Pat. Hey, Joe, don't put your rent money on the Mets, though, when you go and bet.
0: Hey, now, come on. They've got the best <laughs> off season.
3: I've heard that before.
0: <laughs> yeah, every year. <laughs> when we come back, we're talking to attorney Steve Cohen about restaurants. Quick break, back to Hardline right after this. And
3: welcome back to the last half hour. Call
2: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: Of Hardline, right here on News Radio 930, W B E N, Brenda Alacy, and Joe Beamer. We're here every Sunday, 10 to noon, welcoming your calls, texts, tweets, and messages. And we try to keep this show as topical as possible. And so it's a pleasure to welcome Stephen Cohen, who is with he is an attorney with the Hogan Willig law firm in Amherst. And Steve has been the driving force making a lot of restaurant owners throw their hands up in glee because they won their recent lawsuit to uh, reopen restaurants in the orange zone, now a yellow zone. And Steve joins us right now. Good morning, Steve. Thank you so much for your time.
5: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
3: Good to have you on board. If you could explain to us. Uh, exactly uh, how the litigation was brought forth and what the judge's recent ruling meant to restaurant owners in uh, this area.
1: Sure.
5: That, the restaurant ruling was the latest in a string of uh, positive results that we've been able to obtain for clients in different industries. We, we first did the salons and barbers and estheticians. We did uh, um, bowling alleys and uh, pool halls and billiard parlors. We did uh, gentlemen's clubs. But uh, what this what this ruling meant was that our ninety two clients were permitted to reopen in uh, in yellow zone status rather than orange zone, which which meant they they were permitted to resume indoor dining.
3: And that uh, that ruling still keeps in place the ten p.m. closure rule, right, Steve? We, that had no impact on when the restaurants can close.
5: Unfortunately, and for the moment, uh, we. Justice Wotasic was the uh, the judge who signed our order to show cause. Ju- Justice Grassanti is the judge who's been assigned the case, so we're going to appear before Justice Grassanti uh, to try to eliminate that 10 p.m. Um, and and the the greater uh, significance is that when the governor began to see the rulings that we were obtaining, uh, the governor then said, you know what, uh, we're going to open up all uh, all restaurants across the state that are in an orange zone and allow them to operate as they as if they were in a yellow zone so you know we're we're very very pleased that our lawsuit which was based in western new york mostly erie county some monroe county had an impact across the state
3: steve uh there's been a temporary reprieve from the liquor license suspension of three restaurants in particular and uh, you drew up those papers as well and you wrote that the sla's refusal to consider the owner's emergency application during a meeting friday amounted to quote nothing short of petty revenge uh, so do you think the so from what i can glean from this steve it sounds like uh, they're just being nasty and uh, almost impetuous and just saying okay well if that's the case i'm going to come after you Uh, how were you able to get a positive ruling from Judge Watasek on this issue?
5: Okay. Well, first uh, I I want to kind of correct you. Um, I didn't draw the papers. My name appears on the papers, but uh, Hogan Willick has a dedicated staff. We have six attorneys and uh, five paralegals who are part of our COVID-19 relief team. So uh, they definitely deserve the credit, although I, I appear to be the face of this. Uh, the, uh, Uh, let's not loop everybody, a bunch of everybody in the same group. We have enjoyed a very uh, successful and beneficial relationship with the SLA locally, historically. But now I'm talking about SLA Albany. And, yes, there has been a vindictive targeting. Each time one of my clients is questioned by the news media, they can count on getting a visit from the State Liquor Authority that very night or the night after. So, uh, you know, I stand by every word that, that are... That's in my papers.
0: Steve, what is the next move? As Brenda mentioned, right now operating under a yellow zone, still having to close at 10, and the state not giving a pass yesterday when obviously bars and restaurants would have uh, benefited greatly from being able to stay open during the game. Is that 10 o'clock curfew um, going to be targeted next?
5: Well, we're going after the 10 o'clock curfew, trying to eliminate it. the same science that said that the orange zone closures were uh, unscientific and not supported by the data. You know, the, the affidavit we submitted by world-renowned physician Dr. Kanta Ahmed uh, and uh, by engineers regarding airflow exchange, and uh, and that looked at the governor's own numbers to show that restaurants were not the source of spread. They were responsible for perhaps 1.4 percent of the spread. Uh, th- those same numbers say that, the you know, the, the virus doesn't become more deadly after 10 o'clock p.m., and to further show the hypocrisy that the state has been perpetuating, you know, people were allowed to stay in the stadium, at Bill's Stadium, last night until the end of the game. Well, why did they have to leave the restaurants? It just doesn't make sense. And we need to reopen the economy while there is still an economy to reopen.
3: And, Steve, what about the 50 percent capacity? Is that something that you think will be included in any future lawsuit?
1: Well, we're,
5: you know, we're, we're mindful of the realities of COVID. And even our our world-renowned expert, Dr. Kanta Ahmed, said, look, you know, you you don't want to crowd people into a room without masks. So you have to exercise COVID-19 protocols. And that includes social distancing, mask wearing, except when you're seated at the table. So it does make sense to limit uh, limit the, the, the capacity of indoor dining. And we're not looking to be stupid. We're looking to just look at the science. And right now, when people can eat at a restaurant, these restaurants are compliant. They take your temperature when you go in, uh, or they, uh, they're wearing masks, or they have the social distancing and have glass barriers. So we're just looking to do what makes sense, but to keep these businesses open and on a paying basis.
0: Steve, with this now, there is another move, right? So they, the judge made his ruling, but this, this could get appealed by the state down the road? You know, that that
5: becomes interesting. Justice Nowak did, did, a, did a great turn to the economy when uh, Justice Henry Nowak, a Democrat, by the way, and I, I raised that because your, your former guest, uh, 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 Pat Burke, was talking about the politics of this very appropriately. Uh, but uh, Justice Nowak looked at this and he said, you know what, I'm not going to get into uh, You know, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, reverse these um, orange zone restrictions based on constitutionality. But I can't ignore the fact that the science, there's been no science put forth by the state that justifies those actions. So that was a, a, um, uh, a preliminary injunction. We're going to be seeking a permanent injunction before Justice Nolak. Um, this week we're going to be meeting to set a time for oral argument on the permanent injunction. Uh, and that, you know, the, that will could be appealed. Problem is, the higher up you go in the court system, the more political it is. So we have Judges at the state Supreme Court trial level, both Democrats and Republicans, Judge Votasic and Koliakovo have been uh, looking at this reasonably and rationally, and they're Republicans, and we've had Justice Nowak and Justice Devlin, who have been looking at these things, they're Democrats, reasonably and rationally. Once you start getting to the appellate division or the Court of Appeals, these become political appointments, and uh, uh, we're concerned that those judges may not view the case with the same uh, objective eye as the, uh, you know, as the the state supreme court uh, trial bench, which is simply elected by the people. So uh, yes, we are facing appeals. We also have uh, cases in the federal system. We've got one case at the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, and uh, I, I don't believe that the federal system is nearly as political as the uh, state system because these judges have lifetime appointment and nobody can hurt them. But yes, uh, matters are. Subject to appeal, hopefully reason will prevail at all levels.
3: Stephen Cohen is with us. He's an attorney at Hogan Willigan. Steve, I want to get back to the uh, three restaurants that uh, were uh, that asked to get their liquor license restored, and they said that the earliest the authority, the SLA, might do that would be January twentieth. But the papers noted, the court papers noted that the restaurants were offered relief if they pled no contest and paid $3,000 in fines. Now, I'm guessing that these restaurants are suffering greatly already, and now, on top of that, they're asked to pay $3,000 in fines. What happens if they can't pay it or don't pay it?
5: Well, right now, you know, we, we've asked the court, and, and Justice Wachasik, uh, uh saw things our way through a constitutional lens. We wanted there to be due process, that the SLA can't just go into a restaurant and for the first time and without warning— yank a license off the wall i mean america is founded on on constitutional principles which include due process so all we ask the court to do is say look before these licenses can be taken off the wall and these people compelled to shut shutter their businesses uh let them operate and let's have the regular administrative hearing you know that's going to be before an sla administrative judge but you're absolutely right the uh the 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 quickest Hearing date that would have been accorded any of them would have been January 21st, and others were scheduled uh, one in February and one in March. And no business can survive being shut down that long. And more importantly, the employees of the businesses and their families would be without income for an extended period of time. That is not acceptable in a democracy.
3: And I know that about 90 restaurants uh, were part of this uh, this uh, lawsuit. And my question, Steve, I'd like to understand better how this comes about. Now, is it a matter of restaurants, owners, and the people in the industry speaking to each other and saying, look, we've got a band together? Logistically, how did this come together with 90 restaurants from all over the area?
5: Well, you may recall we started with nine businesses that that varied from restaurants, gentlemen's club, a karate school, um, a disc jockey, karaoke performer, and uh, there were nine of them we brought to federal court. It's, it's it titled uh, BIMBERS, B-I-M-B-E-R-S, BIMBERS versus the uh, State of New York. We also sued the attorney general because she is failing to uh, adhere to the Constitution, to uphold the Constitution that she has sworn to uphold. And instead of uh, fighting the governor on this, she's uh, she's signing whatever, uh, signing on to whatever the governor puts in front of her. But word of that lawsuit came out, and, and uh, people... Uh, saw our papers and they they heard the oral arguments and they said, you know what, we want relief too. So from the original lawsuit that involved nine uh, businesses of a varied nature, we got over 150 restaurants that wanted to be part of this, but some of them we we culled from the list because they had some serious violations and and we wanted to have all clean sheets. We wanted to have all plaintiffs that uh, uh, were being um, unfairly shut down we also got you know some 80 salons barbershops estheticians and we got hundreds of landlords bowling alleys pool halls billiard parlors word has spread now we have over 70,000 student athletes through their associations the new york state amateur hockey league the new york state i'm sorry the western new york uh, amateur hockey league the new york state amateur hockey association u.s hockey we've got the uh, uh, so football and basketball and student athletic groups that are all looking for justice. So, you know, they saw what we were doing in uh, federal court and in state Supreme Court, and they wanted to sign on. But it's, this isn't just New York. I mean, there's there's a wave of these that are now happening. The, there was a phenomenal decision in uh, Butler County versus Wolf in the western district of Pennsylvania. Uh, I think that justice, uh, that judge, federal judge Stickman's uh, decision should be mandatory reading for civics classes, Everywhere about balance of powers, separation of powers. I was against Judge Wolf, but you know we were talking about politics and what we just saw happen in California. You know, an outstanding decision by uh, uh, Justice Joel Wolffield in the San Diego case, where uh, His Honor said, "You know what Judge Newsom is doing is just plain wrong. It's unconstitutional and it's unscientific." I'm opening all restaurants. Well, that got uh, overturned immediately by a, an appellate panel of judges appointed by Governor Newsom without a decision. That is troubling on so many levels. It's basically saying that the checks and balances system we have, with the judiciary being the, uh, uh, the, the guiding light of wisdom that can set, uh, set right wrongs perpetrated by the other branches of government, that corrupts that system. When you start having politically appointed judges overturn the rational decisions of the judiciary. That happened in California. Hopefully that won't happen in New York.
3: Did you find a certain irony that Governor Newsom was found uh, dining at the French Laundry, one of the uh, toniest restaurants in Napa? uh, At the same time, he's telling people not to go out and eat. Isn't there a little irony here?
5: Yeah. Irony and hypocrisy uh, is rampant. In the political system. You know, we, we have people who shut down salons and barbershops, and then we find them getting haircuts and hairdos themselves. I, I mean, the list goes on and on. People shut down gyms, but uh, certainly the same people go to their own gym. Uh, so, you know, what we're looking to do is, is take the personalities out of this, and we're trying to inject science and reason and law. And so far, we've been very successful with Justices, uh, Justices Wotasic, Koliakovo, nowak and devlin and uh, hopefully the when the appellate division gets a hold of this they're not going to uh look to see who who appointed them to the appellate division and they're not going to contemplate that they have to be reappointed and they'll just do the right thing but i don't know we haven't been there yet in these cases
0: Steve, do you see venues being next? Uh, you know, venues wanting to open up, being able to have events again. Uh, maybe a place like the arena having half capacity for saber games. Is that? Do you think they would have a lawsuit?
5: Okay, and, and when you talk about venues, now you're talking about sports venues.
0: Sports, you know, something like the um, the Riviera Theater, all the way to a place like the arena.
5: Sure. Uh, the, the same science applies. It really comes down to uh, the contact tracing. There are, there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands now, data points that have been tracked. So we can, we can know with specificity where the COVID virus has been spreading. And so far, the numbers uh, uniformly and uncontestedly show that some 75 percent and more of the, of the spread is happening from people who are cooped up at home where the air exchange is 0.3 air exchanges per hour. In these venues that you just mentioned, uh, I mean, we, our engineer didn't go to the Riviera Theater, but uh, uh, assuming that it's like any other arena or theater, we're going to find probably 16 to 20 air changes per hour, which uh, which makes it a far healthier environment than most people's, you know, 2,000-square-foot uh, uh, home, where air exchange is like 0.3 per hour. So th- to answer your question, yes, we're going strong. We're just getting started here. In bringing sense to all this now that we have the numbers which the state refused to respond to our foil demands for the numbers but when the governor himself published these numbers we we use the governor's own numbers and uh, they are irrefutable so that will apply to the various venues you're talking about and sports venues as well and we're not seeking to pack the stands we're seeking to do what's already been done uh, you know for the bills game for the past two weeks Uh, where you can allow uh, limited participation, but uh, safe participation.
3: Steve, you mentioned uh, the FOIL, the Freedom of Information Law. Is there anything you can do from a legal standpoint to get that information?
5: Yes, we've got a lawsuit uh, that's just about ready to be filed uh, suing the state under the Freedom of Information Law, the public officer's law, to compel them to turn over this data. Meanwhile, the publicly available data from the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, have been enormously helpful and enormously supportive of our case. But the governor is keeping these facts close to the vest, and it's him. It's, it's the State Department of Health with, that answers to him, uh, Commissioner uh, Howard Zucker, Dr. Zucker. That's who we're suing under the, uh, under the FOIL lawsuit that's going to be filed this week.
3: Steve Cohen, a very interesting turn of events. Uh, every day, it seems like there's something new happening with these lawsuits. Thank you so much for explaining this from a legal standpoint and for your time this morning.
5: Thank you for having me and for pursuing this uh, this very, very important uh, societal issue.
3: it will put a wrap on this edition of Hardline. Thanks to our guests, listeners, texters, Joe Beamer, and I will be back next Sunday, live at ten o'clock, right here on News Radio nine thirty.
0: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
5: All star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a
1: question. What's the best podcast
5: of all time?